in this edition of Hoopsology, Matt and Justin welcome Atlanta Hawks and sneakers reporter for Fan Nation, which is a Sports Illustrated channel, Pat Benson. Pat provides some incredible analysis as to why the Atlanta Hawks are currently in the season from hell. He also breaks down that the Hawks can possibly turn their season around, if there's any possible chance Trey Young will be traded, if Atlanta will make any moves at a trade deadline, and we discuss a lot more. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcasts. And now, Pat Benson. He is a Atlanta Hawks and NBA sneakers reporter for Fan Nation, which is a Sports Illustrated channel. We welcome Pat Benson onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Pat? Hey, thank you so much for having me. Everything's good. I can't complain. And thanks for coming on to the show. And we always like talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we had um, Bob Rathbun um, earlier before the season started. So um, always an interesting team within the Eastern Conference. And just want to get your insight as to how this team is doing. And I want to talk about your latest column because I thought it was really interesting. And I just want to get your insights regarding the Hawks currently. So right now, um, as we record this podcast, I think it was January 8th, they beat the LA Clippers. I think a pretty solid victory. Um, but yet they're 10th in the Eastern Conference. And you pointed out in your recent articles that the Hawks are in free fall right now, even though they're kind of in kind of the, you know, the play in... I'm sorry? A little bit more limbo. Perhaps. Limbo, yeah, in limbo. I apologize. No, no, um, no, no, no. I, I use the word free fall, but I think you're right. That may have, yeah. Gotcha. But to your point, I feel like the whole NBA's in limbo. Like, I just feel like yeah. I can't get a beat on <laughs> what's happening. Like, I was reading your article. I was like, man, this sounds like a lot of <laughs> – I'm a huge Chicago Bulls fan. So yeah. a lot of Bulls fans are like, man, we blow up the team, but yet they're 73 after the whole debacle in Minnesota. So I feel like overall I can't get a really – beat on like which teams are dropping down and which teams are rising so you cover the, the Hawks pretty extensively can you kind of point to kind of the state of this team and yeah, is there serious sure. issues going on with this squad or do you think they can turn it around to actually make a serious playoff run I'm pretty concerned you're right I use the word free fall and although they're kind of in the middle of the pack they're in that play in range really there uh, it's been honestly the season from hell for the Atlanta Hawks um you, you come out and we have this uh, disagreement between Trey Young, Nate McMillan, and, you know, that wasn't great. And then a few weeks later, we find out from Shams that McMillan has uh, been considering resigning in the middle of the season. So, you know, that added to the drama. And uh, even uh, with injuries, I don't think anybody's expecting them to be a few games under 500, roughly halfway through the season. But I'm burying the lead. The big thing has been the front office turnover. Uh they, their team president stepped aside. They lost three well-regarded um, front office executives within a week. They let them go. So um, uh, I would say really um, the 18, 19, and 21 record, I think uh, that may uh, be better, better than things are actually going internally for the Hawks. What is the state of the locker room? I mean, are there it seems like right now like you said the, the record shows that they're actually competing they're not just phoning the season as just hey let's just focus on the future what is kind of the mentality each game i mean you just mentioned just these executives just being you know tossed aside nate mcmillan wanting to quit like mm -hmm. is is there a point where they're just falling upon trey young's leadership to kind of keep this thing afloat like what is kind of keeping these guys you know coming in to work every day 
For sure. Well, they're competitive, and you know they split the West Coast road trip. They won two out of the four games. You mentioned the LA Clippers win, which is a solid win. I know the Clippers are skidding right now, and uh, either way, uh, splitting the West Coast road trip isn't bad. Uh, we'll see how they do um, as we uh, head towards the All Star break over the next month or so. But uh, right now, I mean, whenever you have Trey Young and Dejounte Murray on the floor, you know those are two you know alpha dogs who they're not they're not ever going to phone it in. And the same can be said about John Collins and Onyeko Kongwu, uh, Bogey. So um, they're not going to phone it in. Um, I know some teams, some fans, they're ready to throw their hands up in there and just say tank. But you know this team's obviously too good to tank. And uh, it just it just would never happen or wouldn't work. So might as well try to get better. And hopefully they do that at the trade deadline. Pat, it seems like an unusual time of the season for front office turnover. Do you get the sense that that is like a performance-based thing, kind of a mutual resignation sort of departure for those folks? Or what's your sense on that situation? Yeah, very strange timing. I heard the word described as like a soft breakup. Uh, is kind of one one phrase I've heard uh, floated around when I've been down in Atlanta games, and maybe that best describes it. Tra- uh, Travis Schlenk, the team president, took a senior advisory role, and then I'm guessing the people under him, um, the three uh, gentlemen, I guess that they were um, caught up in it. So um, they were unfortunately dismissed. So yeah, the strain, the timing couldn't be better. Right now, the team doesn't have a director of pro scouting, which seems pretty crucial during the middle of an NBA season. Uh, so um, yeah, and I wouldn't expect those positions to get filled until uh, this off season. And I mean, my mind immediately goes to the trade deadline and perhaps like a disagreement between ownership and those front office folks on, on the vision of where they want to go there. And then of course, beyond to the upcoming off season, do you have any sense that, that that may be a good guess one way or the other? Yeah, for sure. I think that was at the root cause of the disagreement. I, mm-hmm. Travis Schlink, the team president, was the architect of the rebuild, got Atlanta their first conference finals victory in franchise history. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, they were definitely uh, trending in the right direction there for a while. And uh, since then, uh, it seems like their main goal has been avoiding the luxury tax. They're avoiding that like the plague. So, Really, we've seen um, they landed DeJounte Murray, but then they uh, go on a cost-cutting spree, trade Kevin Herter, make all these moves, leave an open roster spot, all that good stuff. So, yeah, the to your point, the trade deadline will be really telling. Uh, I'd love to see them you know, make a splashy move or at least show that they're not that afraid of the luxury tax. But right now, my confidence isn't that high. Um, Pat, you're talking about the trade deadline. There's been some light trade rumors regarding – Trey Young, but from what I've read, it's if there's any move to be made, it's likely to be done after this season. It, in terms of how Trey Young is feeling about this whole situation, as best as you can gather, what's kind of his mentality among this team? And we've seen, you know, many leaders of other teams become disgruntled, request trades after just lots of turmoil. Is do you feel that he's starting to feel that way, or do you think he sees a viable future with the Atlanta Hawks despite all the turmoil going on? Yeah, so Atlanta would never trade Trey Young, and then Trey Young would never give up on Atlanta. So they're going to be forced to make it work because, um, you know, he's the the golden child of the city. Everybody loves him, and um, currently, I don't know if there's a more popular athlete in the in the city of Atlanta, which really says something because the Hawks come in a distant third place behind the Braves and the Falcons. So, yeah. um, 
and then I could never, uh, or at least not anytime soon, imagine Trey forcing his way out. I feel like that article that came out a week or two ago, I felt like that was a little um, overblown. So really, I'm, I wouldn't expect that anytime soon. So, you know, if if that Nate McMillan leaves and there's a coaching vacancy, whether he just decides to throw his hands and just quits or yeah. at the end of the season they decide to make a change, besides Trey Young, like what is going to bring a prospective coach into this franchise? I mean, where exactly do they go? There's just so much turmoil, but yet, you know, this team has been very relevant in terms of the Eastern Conference. And right now, despite, you know, there's perennial powers like Boston and Milwaukee and even, you know, Philadelphia to some extent. However, I, I just think the whole league seems wide open. Like, I, I don't think we're in the days of just having a couple of power teams just, you know, dominate and just win titles. I feel like there's a lot of optimism depending on which moves teams make. So I think with the Hawks, they've had some success over the past few years. Kind of what is the steps you see in terms of this team kind of riding the ship um, despite filling those executive vacancies that they currently have? Yeah, like you said, that uh, those will have to wait. And I don't really – I just couldn't imagine this team making a deep playoff push as currently constructed – if they go out and make some surprising moves, then yeah, absolutely. But right now, I would say they're a play-in team, first-round exit. That's their ceiling, which is really unfortunate. And then I think the next move would be getting a new coach. And I don't think they would have to look very far. A, a lot of Hawks fans are very keen on the idea of bringing back in somebody from the Mike Budenholzer, uh, Mike Budenholzer era. And um, yeah, Kenny Atkinson, Quinn Snyder. And uh, you know, he just has a legendary coaching tree. And um, I, I don't think you'd have to go very far to go bring back somebody who has ties and, um, you know, did those winning, those few winning years in Atlanta and also um, who is relevant. You mentioned the positive favor that Trey Young still carries and holds in that community and being the star of the city, so to speak, as, as you said, um, you'd have to think it's, it's unwise for any NBA coach to, um, and not intentional, of course, but it's difficult when they butt heads with their star player. Um, what is kind of the perception on the other side of that with Coach McMillan? I mean, are fans, um, you know, kind of throwing their hands up in the air? Coaches typically seem to be that scapegoat when things go um when when teams aren't meeting their expectations um what's the sense of the fan base and the community around coach mcmillan after that sort of dust up in the media yeah so um trey didn't get out of it scott clean you know he did get some blame some some criticism of how he handled the disagreement in practice and of his general leadership but that is dwarfed by the amount of support for him everybody not everybody, but the vast majority of, uh, of everybody around that area, area they, um, they sided with Trey over at Nate McMillan, of course. And like you said, that's just going to be the case. They're, they're always going to side with the player. And um, Nate McMillan has a, the reputation of being an old-school coach, and uh, that can be good and bad. And sometimes it just grinds gears with players when you'll have you know some of these rules, like no cell phones at this time and that sort of thing. That uh, I, It just kind of speaks to like um, just like – his um the just the time he came up and uh, for better or for worse yeah and it it seems like there would be added pressure you know with the coaching candidates uh that were mentioned that are available and it seems like there's a lot of hot commodities i guess if if you had to look into your crystal ball do you think coach mcmillan makes it through the season how hot is that seat 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's very hot, but they're not going to be able to rush through a coaching search this time like they did in the summer of 2021. It was just euphoric in Atlanta following that Eastern Conference Finals. They cut checks to, and they brought everybody back. They uh, they didn't really commit uh, uh, conduct a real coaching search. They brought back Nate McMillan and they removed his interim tag. And uh, I couldn't see them rushing and doing that again midseason. And um, I don't see I don't think he's going to resign either because his son's on the coaching staff. He's got friends, Nick Van Exel, and a bunch of guys that you know he's very loyal to. So. I think uh, if I had to guess right now today, I'd say he probably steps back in the summertime. It, it seems so fast and so sudden. I mean, they have this burst of success. Mm-hmm. As we all know, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They get that first win there in franchise history, like you mentioned. It, are there unfair expectations in some ways on this team because they had so much success that year? I mean, should we all just kind of take a breather and cool it. Not, not that we're not trying to compete and be successful certainly, but is it a little bit unfair that, or did the bar get raised too high too soon? It's a fair question. That's definitely been uh, a question that's been asked a lot in the media around Atlanta. It's like, and some people will go as far as say it's the worst thing that ever happened to a young team was going so far so fast. And really, if you look at it, it is from March 1st, 2021 is when they uh, dismissed Roy Pierce and is through June. So, I mean, it was just an incredible run and very favorable playoff uh, seating. So, you know, the face the Knicks and then the 76ers imploded. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a fair question. Um, but at the same time, you have an all in, what, what we do know is you have an all NBA point guard and Trey Young. Last year, DeJounte Murray made an all star game. You got to act. So, um, whether it's fair or not to be, whether it's fair or unfair to have those kinds of expectations. Um, it is what it is at this point. Pat, you mentioned about the Atlanta Hawks being like the third most supported team in the Atlanta area. I live in a Denver area coming from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I get the sense of that's the same thing with the Denver Nuggets. Exactly. And that's, that's what I just want to – going to my, my first NBA game last year, it was stark to see – just opposing fans just kind of dominate just who I, would, I expect to be a home court advantage. In yeah. Atlanta, is that the same way, or do you think, despite you know the Hawks being third on the totem pole, they have a healthy home court advantage? Can you just give us an insight regarding kind of the Hawks fans and kind of, you know, even though they're third, is it kind of a situation where do you see opposing fans kind of dominate um, that when they're playing at home, or do you see like the Hawks having a healthy kind of home court despite being kind of third among other sports in the city? I'll say this. Atlanta was nice enough to host a home game for the Los Angeles Lakers on December 30th, which I'm guessing <laughs> yeah. that's the case for like a lot for a lot of um, NBA teams sure. here in the league. Um, it was LeBron's birthday, and Lakers fans just absolutely took over State Farm Arena, chanted MVP, stayed after, gave uh, LeBron a standing O, oh, which wow. he deserved for yeah. like 47-point performance. So, um, yeah, uh, definitely when some teams – blow through they take over the arena lakers warriors celtics have a strong following uh for the most part against like southeast division teams other eastern conference teams atlanta will hold their own but it's like trying to stop a tsunami when the lakers come into town gotcha now i just find that very interesting because 
you know, I grew up in a kind of a, a smaller town, college yeah. basketballs, you know, the predominant, you know, sport and mm-hmm. always used to just a strong home court advantage. So to see that kind of be kind of turned on his head and the NBA was kind of a, a shock to, to say the least. Yeah. It's always funny to see that happen. It, and it's strange, the, you know, like, and like myself, I'm an outsider to Atlanta. Um, you know, I wasn't born and raised there or anything. So it's funny you go into a situation expecting something and then it's, completely different um to that point i believe the it's correct if i'm wrong state farm arena got renovations is that correct recently within the past yeah, about two years. or three years ago yeah can you kind of take to the best to your ability just take us into kind of those you know in arena upgrades i think those are always fascinating i remember seeing those just on twitter in a scene they have like a lot of cool things a lot of other nba arenas don't and how that's attracting fans especially after the pandemic and trying to get things you know from an entertainment quality back to normal in terms of just getting fans back out there on a regular basis. Uh, can you kind of take, is there anything unique just about kind of State Farm Arena in terms of what fans usually expect compared to other arenas around the league? Yeah, so they made those uh, upgrades the summer before I started like gotcha. covering the Hawks. But what I can say is um, Atlanta Hawks organization, they do a great job. Like they use the hashtag campaign, Twitter campaign, True to Atlanta, but it's definitely more than lip service. They really are authentic to Atlanta. So, um, you know, everything with like the local cuisine they have in there to like, they have a barber shop and, uh, local, um, you know, celebrity, there's so many, um, you know, celebrities and, um, artists and musicians that, um, come to Hawks games. I'd say the Hawks probably have the first or second strongest fan base in the NBA celebrity fan base in the NBA. When you look at like two chains and, uh, future and, Mm. um, Quavo and just every night it's uh, somebody different and uh, 21 Savage and it's it's uh, really cool definitely a very fun atmosphere even though the Hawks might let you down anybody in Atlanta I would highly suggest uh, you go to a game to experience it yourself they do a great job so Pat I I have to ask and I know it's a, a cliche question but the trade deadline is approaching what do you expect Atlanta to do? We we mentioned briefly earlier, just maybe some of the bigger names, bigger salaries on this roster are kind of fixed. But do you expect any any surprises, any shakeups on the bench, any pickups of of role players, those types of things, or a pretty silent trade deadline for this t- team or otherwise? The only thing I really see uh, happening is going to be they're finally going to part ways with John Collins. Obviously, mm. uh, that's been going on for years now. We're looking at three years of concentrated talks centered around Collins, and they're going to offload him at the trade deadline to try to um, free up some uh, salary cap, unfortunately, for um, Onyeko Kongwu this upcoming summer. And uh, there will be more players shipped out this summer, but it will finally happen in, at the February deadline. And I want to say maybe February 9th. Um, I'd have to double check on that one, but um, either way, I think this will finally be the the time that they actually do part with Collins. And unfortunately, they've driven his trade value down so far. I think mm-hmm. fans are really going to be disappointed with what Atlanta brings back. It's going to be a late first round pick and some contract filler at this point, which is really hard to believe from where they were this time last year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, do you suspect any potential trade partners? I mean, I heard earlier in the season, like the Spurs might be a good trade partner for him. Um, what do you see as maybe some likely destinations for that to happen? I don't know, but whenever Shams, you know, drops an article about once every few weeks and it always involves Sean Collins, it's always, um, (laughs) 
it's always a handful of teams he names. I feel like uh, Phoenix is an is a team that has been in conversation a little bit more lately. That's not me reporting. I just feel like I've heard that uh, brought up several times. I know Jay Crowder is having his issues out there, but mm. I'm not sure how that would work. But either way, I don't know where he's going, but I'm very confident John Collins will be traded here in the next month. Pat, I want to ask you about the rest of the Eastern Conference and a lot of journalists and analysts and even Matt and I have said that really not only the East but the rest of the NBA, there's been a lot of parody. Do you seek the reason of a lot of parody to the strength of a lot of the NBA teams becoming more even or do you think there's like a talent disparity? Like, Do you think this is a sign of things to come you know, in future seasons of the league in terms of just it being really, really tight throughout the entire season? I, I just think, you know, on a nightly basis, we're seeing just really tightly contested uh, matchups, uh, you know, every single night. Like, are you seeing that trend just throughout the rest of the league as well? Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. I feel like it's very balanced right now. It's very competitive, which is great. And uh, I think uh, it's a copycat league. I think a lot of the teams are doing this, you know, taking the same approach to team building or to in-game strategies or, to, you know, you know, how filling out their roster or whatever. It seems like everybody's trying to replicate the same models. So, um, and there aren't that many just terrible owners or, you know, terrible um, uh, front offices anymore. It just seems like it's just far more balanced and obviously the talents out of this world and uh, you know, the rise of the G league as well, I think also kind of bolsters and reinforces the league as a whole. So yeah, I just think it's, it's great. I think the game's in a great place and it's super balanced across the board. I think we've talked about it a few times or about 10 teams in each conference that you don't know where they're going to end up. And, um, of course, um, individual performances this season, all the uh, offensive outbursts we've seen from all these different players, that's just been the icing on the cake. Do you have any any sleeper teams at the moment or any teams that you feel might surprise us in the second half of the season? You know, uh, I really don't. Uh, I, I just kind of agree with you all. I feel like there's so much uh, fluidity right now and flexibility at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, who's playing well, who's healthy, matchups in the playoffs. So, really, I'm not going to go sleepers. I'm going to go chalk, honestly. I'm probably going to go with your, with the Milwaukee, maybe Brooklyn, but I've learned it's probably best not to bet on the Nets for any reason. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so like, uh, I'm, I'm probably just going to go chalk, and I'm going to go with Milwaukee. And then out of the West, um, uh, not a sleeper, but, again, I'll go with the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. And um... – Looking at like where we are in the NBA, you know, it kind of feels like a torch is being passed. Like we had this decade of LeBron's going to be in the finals, just (laughs) write it down in pen. He's going to be there. Now we're kind of past that. Um, How do you feel about, I mean, of course we talk about it all the time on the show. The, the depth of talent in this league is amazing. We just mentioned it right now. Um, Do you think that, so a player dominating like finals appearances or um, like dynasties being created, things like that. Are we getting to a point where we're potentially past that? Or is it just a matter of like Luca needs another year or yeah. two and, and other pieces and maybe that's the next dynasty. Cause it, it does seem like it's a league, you know, over the past 
geez, like 40 years, it seems like from one dynasty to the next. Yeah. Do you think there are chances that we may be coming to like true parity, like what we've been yeah. talking about? That's an interesting idea. I've never really thought about more like the NFL where it's just a different team yeah. every year. Um, you know, there's one player who could be dynastic and you named him Luka Doncic, but Dallas can't seem to figure out the right pieces to put around him. That's, I don't think it's from lack of trying, but he's the type of player I could see. Uh, Giannis is still in his prime, of course. He could rack up a couple more finals appearances. But, no, that's interesting. It could definitely be uh, a time because, like we've said, this, the balance in the league is so balanced and, and also the player movement. So it may not be a dynasty because you have players like Kevin Durant, you know, going from OKC to Golden State to Brooklyn. So, um yeah, that would be, that'd be an interesting notion. You know, I am a Lakers fan, and you know, I am a homer for the Hawks, but I'm a Lakers fan, and I'd love to see Kobe and Shaq just have the last three-peat. So that would be good in my book. <laughs> Absolutely. So since you brought the Lakers up, we've had plenty of Lakers fans on here, and they have voiced their displeasure, uh, to say the least, about how the season <laughs> has gone so far. Like, where do you see this franchise going? Um, I didn't, From talking to them, I think Matt will share the sentiment. They did not seem optimistic about um, the future of that franchise, um, despite their history in the league. Uh, what about you? Do you share a optimistic view of how that this team can turn it around? LeBron doesn't have, I'm sure, too many years. And L.A. Anthony Davis is always a question mark with his injury history. I mean, what is really the future of, of the Lakers kind of moving forward from the season from what you think? Long term, as a Lakers fan, I'm always optimistic because they're going to go out and they're going to bring in the next star. That's not going to happen short term, though, of course. They they don't have anything left to trade. And, there's, yeah. you know, there's no future left to mortgage just to, you know, get the Lakers to a seventh seed or something. Just a, a you know, a mediocre Lakers team just into the play-in tournament. And it's just not worth it. And I hate it for LeBron because he's playing at – you know, at all, obviously, first team all NBA level. So, um, you know, I hate to see any player uh, squander years, but I mean, that happened to Kobe a lot. And uh, it just happens to players. You just miss out on certain years that you should have, you know, made some noise in the playoffs. And obviously, not going to happen this year. Long term, of course, the Lakers will be fine. It doesn't matter how much, you know, how silly the front office or the ownership gets at times, they'll be fine. But this year, it's just, let's just sit back. Let's watch LeBron make history. Is there a weirdness about LeBron breaking Kareem's scoring record? I mean, obviously, any NBA fan that's being true about it, uh, of course, is congratulatory towards LeBron. Yeah. It's an amazing record to break, something that I wasn't sure as a kid we would ever see that broken uh, when Jordan didn't pass that, you know, when, yeah. when we were growing up. But um is there with, you know, Kareem being such a centerpiece in Lakers history? Um, I mean, I'm sure LeBron's going to get nothing but cheers when he breaks that record, those mm -hmm. types of things. But how does it feel as a Lakers fan? And it maybe not like totally having LeBron be like your own. How how do you kind of perceive it, I guess? Yeah, it's hard to articulate it. But yeah, that's basically right. You know, Kareem is our guy. Like I know he was traded for as well. And um or he may have come over on free agency. I'm not sure how he got over from Milwaukee to LA, but either way. Yeah, I mean, he basically told them we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, that was basically it. And then the Lakers won all those championships with Ian Magic. And I know for like my dad, a Lakers fan, obviously. And even for me, a 33-year-old, like I, I'm 
I remember Kareem being part of the Lakers franchise, obviously, well before LeBron showed up. But to be fair, the other night in Atlanta, I got swept up in the emotions and caught up in it too when he was going for 47 points. And sure. So, yeah, I mean, Kareem's our guy, and I think he has a an argument at the GOAT, uh, GOAT argument as well. But um, it, uh, it's just it's going to happen, so let's just enjoy it. Let's recognize greatness and also celebrate it because we don't know if it's going to happen again. It seemed like a guarantee for Kobe, too, at a certain point in time. So um, uh, let's just uh, enjoy it and have fun and celebrate greatness. Pat, we really enjoyed the chat. Much appreciated coming on to the show. Can you please let our viewers and listeners know where they can find you on social media and um, where we, they can find your works and anything else you're working on this year as well? For sure. Uh, just follow me on social media at Pat underscore Benson underscore Jr. And then um, just follow me on there and you'll see some of my work, which I put out. And guys, just thank y'all so much for having me. And uh, I'm really a fan of what y'all are putting out. Just keep doing what you're doing and uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Pat, very much. Thank you.